Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Chicago jazz bassist and composer Clark Summers on the 2023 CD, Feast Ephemera. This new music reflects on his life over the past two decades and the love, camaraderie, and solidarity that he shares with his family and music. The pandemic made virtual hermits of almost everyone, especially those whose lives and work revolved around the real-time interplay and synergistic creativity known as music. Cut off from audiences and colleagues, going a bit stir-crazy at home, he channeled his energy and frustration into this new project. We cover this and the state of life now, along with a little bit more. Enjoy this interview. Cool. We meet again. I think we... I think we talked um, about Adam Larson's project. You were involved with that. Yeah. Let me turn this damn thing off. Yeah, you're fine. It's like 90 degrees here. Where are you at? I'm in Kansas City. Oh, of course. Okay. Right. Yes. Yeah, the Adam thing. Yeah, that guy put out three records in 18 months. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. (laughs) And I actually got to see him live. Um and and it was it was amazing. He was at a old place, um kind of off the railroad tracks. It was an old converted prohibition kind of style brewery, and it was amazing. I mean, anytime you get to see him live, it's just his chops and what he does, it's it's phenomenal. You're telling me, man. Uh he's one of my he's we become really, really close friends and actually pretty regular collaborators at this point. Uh, this is amazing. I think the best of his generation, just my opinion. Yeah. And, uh, very unique writer and uh, conceptualist. And I just love the guy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. So, He's phenomenal. Um, you know, the one thing about us, about our conversation is we were in the thick of the pandemic, you know, we were all still navigating it, but now we're out, you got a new album. How did you survive it? And how are things going now? I mean, this newest thing that I have kind of, to be honest with you, was the the sort of primary catalyst in getting me through the pandemic. I mean, I live with my wife here in, in Evanston, Illinois, and of course we had each other, you know, to support, but just creatively speaking, I mean, I was uh, enrolled uh, for a graduate uh, program at DePaul in 2019, so... Um, I sort of transitioned from being in person in the fall of 2019. And then of course we got through the winter quarter by, and by mid March we were all online. And so we didn't know what was going to happen. And, um, with, with school or how they were going to do classes, it was such a sort of new, uh, new world instantly, you know, and people were scrambling to figure it out. But, but for me, I just was able to find refuge in, um, just sort of wading in these waters every day, just with this material on this new Feast Ephemera record. And just, um, I could go in the room with the piano and close the door and just salt away eight or 10 hours on it. And that's how I got through it. Um, Sort of in lieu of not playing gigs, not seeing um, people in the community that I was used to seeing on on an almost nightly basis you know, um, and then to sort of say nothing of, uh, the sort of travel schedule that I had at that point with Kurt Elling, you know, that ground to a halt completely. And so like everybody who, who was performing at the time, everybody was forced out of it. 
and forced to be at home. And so I felt very grateful uh, in the moment and in, in retrospect that I had, you know, something um, with which to keep me creative and to keep me um, connected with a creative process. And um, I never thought that I would get this far with this particular project. Like I said, it was just a way to stay stimulated, to give myself um, not tasks, but um, to give myself a challenge to, to deal with on a daily basis and to kind of search around for these sounds and to kind of put these things together in, in um, you know, in a format with this many uh, instruments, which I'd never done before. I, uh, you know, I, I have two trio records with saxophone and bass and drums. And then, uh, and then before the pandemic, and I, I'd only had this one uh, sextet record, this other group that I was trying to do in the, you know, about 2014, 2015 called the lens project. And so I'd never had any occasion to try to, to try to make something of, of this magnitude relative to what I had done. And, and, and the impetus was really, how can I include as many of my colleagues, you know, my, my friends in this group, sort of a way to, to imagine doing something with them when, when the pandemic blew over, you know, how could I make a project that just uh, almost, almost um, celebrated them and kind of celebrated the scene a little bit. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a group with, including me, 12 people. That's a lot of musicians on a lot of different instruments that are quite active and of consequence in this community in Chicago. And, and I, it was just really cool to get on the phone with them kind of throughout that process and just rap about, you know, their, limitations on the instrument in this context in a kind of a big band context and and just to get ideas from them and and um just to see how far I could take it you know and see how 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 much of what I really love about music I could kind of I could I could include in this work you know and um it's cool because I mean you know I don't think beyond uh, the actual music, there's a story. I mean, I, I was inspired to write this, but the, the actual story is I've been playing with a lot of these people for, you know, in some cases, more than 25 years. And so I'm always um, finding myself playing in, in their projects and playing on their recordings. And this was just a way to sort of, I don't know, kind of... Uh, pay it forward or just try to, you know, showcase each one of them in their own way and, and write really specific space for these individuals, you know, it was very deliberate in that, in that regard, you know, cause, cause Chicago is a pretty rich scene. It has different scenes with a lot of different players and they're all doing kind of different things. And so I was very, um, motivated to follow through on that and to, to you know, to do the best I could with it. You know, it was, it was definitely a situation where I was learning the craft of writing for a band this size as I was doing it. 
And so that made it even more rewarding and it made me even more motivated to be consistent about um, the workflow, if, if you will, you know. Yeah. So it came from that, you know, it came from that. And um, so I'm, I'm, you know, I have a couple performances coming up. It'll, it'll be the first time the band has performed live. You know, what the first ones at the, the Hyde Park Jazz Fest on Sunday, September 24th. And, and then we're doing a weekend at the Green Mill, November 3rd and 4th. But, um, yeah, I'm happy to, you know, go into any part of it you'd like to, to hear about. You know? Yeah, well, I guess before we get in and deconstruct it a little bit, what are you ultimately hoping the listener gets from this album? You know, I think with each... Uh, person that composes their own music. I mean, I, you know, I can't speak for everybody, but I think, you know, I think you ultimately want to make people aware of what you, what you resonate in the music and with the music. And you want other people to feel that you want people to feel it through your filter and you want to connect with people in that way. I mean, I think I want people to feel like um, this music, you know, whether you call it jazz or I'm not really sure, you know, black American music, whatever people are calling it these days, I want it to feel like it's not exclusive. I want it to feel like um, you don't need some kind of prerequisite set of, uh, you know, skills or knowledge to, to enjoy it or to, to have, um, an experience, you know? And I, when I was, when I was, uh, writing this music, I kind of sort of, when I felt like I was done with the pieces, I um I was I was thinking back to one of my favorite um books over the years by John Steinbeck called East of Eden. And I happened to have a a copy of the book with a um a prologue or an introduction that he wrote actually. And I remember reading that after I read the book. I didn't read that before I read the book. And I thought, I, never, I don't usually read these, you know. And I, saw, I, I finished the book, and I wanted more. Like, I wanted to keep it. It's, a, yeah. it's almost a 1,000 pages. You know, it's one of, probably my favorite novel. And certainly my favorite from him. And I've read just about everything he, he wrote. You know, and I know that people talk about Grapes of Wrath. It's, it's a masterpiece. Of course it is. But this one struck me. And I, I think it did for the same reason that he expressed in the introduction, which was that after he finished writing the book, he felt like he was able to infuse all of the most important aspects of life to him, to that point in his life, into the book. Like all the tropes and all the archetype characters, all the all this sort of different, um, you know, character types and, and, and life situations and 
and relationship dynamics. He felt like he was able to organically um, sort of uh, express that in this book. And I would say that I, in a very, you know, in my own way in this, in the musical sort of realm, to this point in my life, I felt like this work best encap- encapsulates what is important to me in music and all the influences that have been important to me over the, the last 30 years since I started playing, why I fell in love with it, the different groups that I heard in my formative years that I was able to kind of just think about while I was writing, you know. And so, so to answer your question, I wanted people to somehow detect, to, to either consciously or subconsciously, I mean, you can never control how people uh, uh, experience this stuff, you know, it's so subjective. But I would want them to, at least my intention was to express the things in music that I love so much and the things that, that, that drew me to the music, you know, and I can get very detailed about that, about bands that I'm into. And I can even kind of, you know, um, I can articulate different moments in the music where I was thinking about this influence or that influence. And I, and, and I'm, I'm okay with that. I think the stuff has to come from somewhere. And so I, I would want people to feel like, you know, there's a little bit of something for everybody. You know what I mean? Like there's a little bit of, I mean, I, I just, I can't totally just not think about people when I'm writing this, when I'm writing my own stuff. I have, I, I, I'm not saying it's dictating a hundred percent of the choices that I make a hundred percent of the time, but I don't, I don't want it to be, uh, an alienating experience for people that they feel like they're on the outside looking in. I don't want that. I've never wanted that, you know, and it's, I mean, maybe there's some irony to that, but because of the music and how it is some, sometimes stigmatized as being, you know, academic or heady or that, you know, that over the visceral part of it. And I think the best version of this music whatever we're calling it has some combination of all those variables, you know, where there is something, you know, intellectually stimulating, there is something emotionally stimulating, but there's a, an ineffable spirit to the music that people may not know why they're uh, resonating with it or responding to it, but they are nonetheless. So I would like that. I would like people to come at it with that and then just don't, you know, to not, you know, necessarily prejudge the style or the genre. Just, just take it. You know, I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like for every experience that we have, we have this choice where we can, we can come into it with a preconceived notion of what it's going to be or what it should be or what you should expect with anything, any new experience, or we can just come into something new with just a completely clean slate. Yeah. And, and then just let it wash over you and whatever honest response you have is what your experience is. You know what I mean? So, you know, that's, that's how I think of it, you know? Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, I think there was a fear during this whole time that we went through that, you know, younger musicians weren't going to get involved. There was going to be an effect that could be adverse, you know, especially with musicians in big cities. But I think this album is emblematic of the fact of you have so many people on it. You're coming back strong. Lots of people are doing the same. What's your take on the strength of the jazz community now that we're in this kind of post-pandemic era? It, you, are you saying specifically in Chicago or just just at large? Just you, yeah, in Chicago, since that's kind of your epicenter. And I think it's probably, it, it's a microcosm of things that are happening. Yeah, um, I think it feels very much back to pre-pandemic, uh, what, pre-pandemic energy, pre-pandemic energy. Uh, gig flow and abundance. Um, there is a lot of young, youthful energy that has uh, been sort of uh, percolating in the scene um, much more, in, I'd say, in the last 18 months than I can remember sort of feeling, you know, compared to the last 20 years, perhaps. So I would say that the clubs are going very strong. Um, it feels like people are coming out. It feels like people are, you know, they're, they're really wanting to present their own music and their own bands. Um, it feels, you know, very um, uh, uh, excited. And, uh, and it feels like it's, it's, um, it's thriving. It really does, I would say. Um, I mean, my, in terms of my personal workload, just as a side person, you know, bass player, I am definitely doing as much as I can do, as much as I can physically handle. And that feels almost like the early 2000s to me kind of the way it was the late nineties, early two thousands in Chicago. Um, so I would say that it, you know, very much feels like it's thriving, that it's alive, that it's, you know, a growing organism, you know? And, um, I find, you know, that some of the older, um, relationships that I had with some of these people in this group, those things are kind of back to where they were, but, but there are also these younger people that are trying to earnestly be a part of the scene and trying to figure it out. They're, you know, they're curious. And, and so it feels, it feels like a cool spot, at least for me to kind of maybe be a bridge between those, you know, different, demographic age groups you know what i mean sure so i i'm appreciating it you know i'm appreciating how um things things are you know they're they've moved they've moved around they've shifted now the, the dust is settling and you know people are starting new groups and they're starting new relationships collaborations and i just feel an overall uh positivity about it i would say yeah you know yeah i agree so feast ephemera is the new album where's the best place for people to pick it up anything revolving around your world where can people go 
You can just uh, come to my website, uh, clarksummers.com. And, um, you know, it's on all streaming services. I can, uh, I've been uh, taking online orders directly from people for CDs and vinyl just uh, through the website. Or you can just email me directly, clarksummers at gmail.com. Real easy. I'm, I'm pretty good about responding and um, happy to, to ship them out, you know, and uh, love to hear from people. Clark, it's so great to catch up with you. Thank you for taking a minute out today, man. Best of luck with everything. Yeah, you're the best, man. Thanks for doing what you do. Thanks for listening and tuning into another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in Chicago, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Clark for his time, energy, and cool. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.